Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Latest Shiny Podcast. This is your co-host, Stephen Spector, and with me, of course, is Rob Hirschfeld. Good afternoon, Rob. Hello, Stephen. Always good to be back. <laughs> Always good to be back together. Back together from far distances uh, in our podcasting. Well, I have to tell you, this is this is an exciting podcast for me. Um, as we keep talking about VMworld, and I know everyone's sick of it, uh, as I was walking through the exhibit hall, I ran into a company that I first met uh, in the Bear Summit for OpenStack down in San Antonio. So that's going back just a couple of years. <laughs> and uh, and they were really big now, and they had a huge booth there. And, of course, I had to go say hi to uh, Nelson Nahum, who is the uh, co-founder and CEO at Zadara. And I said, oh, we got to get you on the podcast. And it's not even a week later he's on the podcast. I'm really excited uh, Nelson, to have you on. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you, Stefan. It was uh, uh, great to meet you again at uh, VMworld and also to uh, talk to Rob as well after so many years uh, in the industry. So many years from OpenStack. <laughs> yes. I know. So before we jump in and talk storage and all sorts of stuff, why don't you give us a little history, a little bit about your company, for those not familiar with Sedera Storage, and then uh, we'll dive in from there. Yeah, definitely. So the, the main idea of uh, Zadara was to create uh, enterprise storage uh, with the cloud model, basically uh, a fully managed service um, that is paper use, so all the capabilities of the cloud, but at the same time, the capabilities of the enterprise storage, like uh, security, performance, uh, uh, and data protection features, and so on. And actually, this is, was the reason why we started with OpenStack, is that we say, we recognized from the beginning that uh, the traditional software that run in the traditional uh, storage, uh, enterprise storage, is, is not enough for a, uh, as a service model. For as a service, you need a, a scalable, um, multi-tenant, uh, you know, something that can expand and shrink very easy. Uh, so this is why why we started with OpenStack. We said, okay, this is a great platform. We can we can build on top of OpenStack the storage capabilities uh, that we need in order to offer this kind of service. And and this this back from 2011, and, and we're still uh, working in this way. And we added uh, quite a lot of, if you remember, uh, Stefan, we probably were the first storage company on OpenStack. Um, yes, you yeah, were. I mean, this was uh, at the time that only Swift was the, somehow running. Uh, and we, we, we brought the, the block, and the, this, we work on Cinder and the, the file and, and all these other capabilities. Uh, and it, so far has been a really a good a good experience and uh, not only on the technology side we have a really unique product but also on the business side we offer this as a service and can be uh, connected to the major public clouds like Amazon Google and Azure or can be even on premise at the customer data center so i i want to make sure i understand because when we talk about storage as a service does that you know, and you, you say cloud and on-premise premises, does that imply that there's, you know, you're basically doing a network attach and that all the storage is running in the cloud or is there a physical device somewhere that's part no, of the No, we ship the physical devices. Uh, basically, it's, it's, it's multiple storage nodes with our software that we ship uh, either to the customer data center in the case of uh, uh, on-premise at the enterprise or service provider, or in the case of uh, 
when we attach to the public cloud, we we put this equipment uh, in our cages in Equinix and our data centers and cross-connected uh, to the public cloud via Direct Connect and via Fiber um, to uh, Express Route in, in Azure and, and Google Fiber. Makes a lot of sense. So it truly yeah. is storage as a service yeah. from that perspective. Okay. And then do you manage a central control plane? So everybody, you know, you, you have a, a SaaS-based management plane that then manages the appliances or is there, is, is that a, is it a completely self-contained so system? So the, the, um, the appliance is not only one appliance. We typically ship more than one. Uh, imagine a, a cloud uh, system. It, it starts with two at least for redundancy and high availability, but this can grow to hundreds of uh, storage nodes. Uh, and yes, we have uh, the software that is shipped with the appliances, and and also we have the software that run uh, above in a, a central centralized location. Most of the software that run in the centralized location in the cloud, let's call it, uh, is to be able to manage these uh, hundreds. Currently, we have hundreds of locations worldwide. So. We have centralized billings, centralized uh, DevOps, centralized inventories, centralized uh, logs and licensing and, and things like that. This is the software that we run in the cloud. The software, obviously, that run in the data pass is is in the in the servers itself at the location. That makes a lot of sense. And then and then, so where does that that fit within like the hyperconverged spectrum? You know, a lot of a lot of times I hear people, you know. Talking about hyperconverged, which in a lot of cases is a sounds like a storage story more than a virtualization yeah. story. So I mean, you've got to be in the middle of all that VMware. Yeah. Uh, so on the technical level, basically, we what we do is also hyperconverge. So we we ship uh, servers, we have CPUs and 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 uh, storage and so on. However, from the marketing side, we we focus on storage. So this this compute that we ship is mostly used by us to to run the storage software uh, and on the let's say on, on the market market level we kind of cooperate with the uh, hyperconverge hyperconverge <clears throat> it has limitations in terms of storage because you need to have uh, exactly the same node and you need to scale the cpu and the storage at the same time uh, and uh, for people that right. need uh, let's say a lot of capacity uh, then it makes sense to have an external uh, to the hyperconverge. So we, we do have many customers that use uh, Nutanix uh, with us. So they, they may use Nutanix for the uh, you know boot and the primary storage and, and us for the secondary storage. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. And then so what triggers somebody to... to Actually, I should ask: Do you consider that software-defined storage? What's what's your yeah. definition from? Yeah, from actually, software-defined well, create the software-defined storage before the name was, <laughs> or before the acronym was invented. But uh, uh, it is exactly that. So, uh, and this is, in my mind, in order to do effective storage as a service, you must have software-defined storage. And uh, in our case, for example, in our um, storage cloud, you can run different workloads. You know that storage is not only one thing, right? <laughs> there is storage that uh, some different protocols right. like block and, and file and object. There is the different latencies. Uh, uh, there is different 
capabilities like HDDs and uh, H uh, SSDs and so on. So uh, scale out, there, there are a lot of things. So there is no single system that can work well for multiple workloads. And historically, um, the storage vendors created physical boxes that are very good on only one workload, right? So if you, if you look at EMC, they have a, the one box like Extreme IO for the flash and then a VNX for the general purpose and they have a symmetrics and they have different boxes of different products for different storage workloads. This doesn't work well for as a service right. business because you cannot ship a new box every time the customer needs something. Uh, so the the main idea in our case is to to build a, a cloud uh, with our own hardware and and then do software defined uh, what we call VPSAs that are vir virtual private storage arrays. So every VPSA is, is separated from the others. Um, but they coexist in the same cloud. So it, you can have a, a flash, uh, low latency block, even fiber channel VPSA coexisting with a NAS based on HDDs, with SSD cache coexisting with an object storage, mostly on, on high capacity HDDs, all in the mm -hmm. same cloud. And they will not interfere one to each other because the way that we separate the customers or the workloads between them each one has the, their own resources. Wow, that's really interesting. I, I guess the when I think about storage, though, the latency of, of connecting from a SaaS into you know wherever you have local, you're going to have to have a pretty short network distance from that perspective. You're not going to you're not going to do storage no, across. Definitely. So this is why we ship the storage to the place where the compute is, right? So. In the case of on-premise, we ship the storage ah, on-premise okay. at the customer. Uh, the, the SaaS level is only the, the billing and the you know uh, inventory and things that are not related to the data pass. But the, all this software of the data pass is very close to the compute to have minimum latency. And this is why we are connected. In the case of the cloud, we are connected via Direct Connect uh, fiber directly to the, to the cloud. It's, it's not... It's not across the planet. This is actually in the same. Uh, we try to be in, in the same uh, campus, let's say, of of the cloud provider. That makes sense. Is there so? I, I'm I'm sort of taking that comment and thinking about some of the conversations we have from an edge perspective, where right you need to move storage into a location. Yeah. How dynamic uh, does storage so get on the edge? It is interesting because when we started the on-premise business, um, uh, a little bit of the history of the company, when we started, we started only in the cloud, only in Amazon. And, and uh, it was a really great start because oh, we, okay. you know, back in 2012, we, we could sell enterprise storage to enterprise customers and, and there was no uh, really, except for Amazon storage itself, there was nothing else. Uh, so some of these customers told us a uh, couple of years later, we love your product, but we are running only 5% of our workloads in Amazon. We have data centers. Why you don't ship in our data center? So, so we, we, and this was in the same month, three <laughs> different customers told us the same thing. So we, we are a company that listened to the customer and, and we, we created what we call on-premise as a service. Basically, we ship the entire cloud 
and everything on premise in order for the customer to use the storage at the low latency. Uh, and and we developed this uh, cloud management model where we have uh, DevOps uh, engineers in four different locations across the globe. So they can do 24 by seven uh, operations and there are all these operations are centralized. So, uh, and, and the main idea again was to to, to support many of the data centers that are in the cloud or on-premise. Uh, in the last couple of years, we started seeing projects Excellent. that are on-premise, not because the customer has the data center on-premise, but it is on-premise because the customer needs the storage at, at very uh, low latency from the source of the data. And this on-premise is, is also connected to the cloud. So we, we are doing a... Um, one of our customers is a semiconductor company that is in Taiwan. Uh, they take pictures of, of the wafers in, in the factory and they need to store temporarily the pictures in, the, um, in a local environment that can be accessible very quickly by the QA and, and so on, mm. uh, and then move to the cloud. And so this is a, a, re a real case of, of edge. Edge case. And now this edge case is two petabytes. It's a real edge, edge case, yeah. It's two petabytes because they need a lot. There's a lot of data going on. And more than that, the, the customer, uh, when we started talking to them, they, they were thinking to put um, a lot of servers for, for their processing. But again, they don't have data center. They don't have a lot of things. And, and we have a, a very nice feature that we allow to run Linux containers uh, with software of the customer inside the storage. Uh, so, so that that basically we told them, listen, you don't need to oh, have wow. external servers. You can run your software inside our storage. So th this is completely the edge. So it's the storage plus the plus the compute uh, in a place that is very close to the data source, and and then all the data moved to Amazon Cloud. Well, so that's this is a this is a really significant uh, aspect of of a hybrid storage compute system. So what you know, you let me let me just recap because this is really important. I want to drill in. What you're saying is that you have a storage array. It's operating you know in the field or in on premises, so that you know you're capturing data, and then you're saying that you can add containers to do some type of analytics within that with within your 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 storage infrastructure so it's basically smart storage how does that work yeah 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 exactly so uh, our architecture is is a cloud right we, we we have compute and and storage and we used to have the storage the compute only to run our uh, storage stack but we have the compute so we we added a feature that allow the customer to run Linux containers. We, we call this Zadara container service the inside the storage, so at, at zero latency. And all this is fully managed by our 24 by 7 team. So the customer, this particular customer has the two petabyte plus the compute inside, the, uh, inside their, their factory uh, in Taiwan, and it is managed by us on a 24 by 7 uh, basis remotely. So, so would they be delivering, you know, what is it? What does the code look like that somebody would deliver in that container, though? Uh, you can run anything that is in a Docker repository. You can run uh, in our uh, container wow, service. Okay. So, so could you yeah. 
could you scale and, that? I mean, that that to me sounds like the type of thing that if I was doing IoT workloads, I could literally, you know, a lot of those are storage heavy. So what you're saying is, yeah, just store yeah. all that data. We're going to do some analytics and then you can, you know, upload the, the pieces that you want, right? It's, it's almost... Yeah, exactly, exactly. That that's that was the 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 main um, thing that is that these pictures of the wafers are I think one terabyte each, and you know you, you cannot upload all the way to the cloud from Taiwan and then download each time somebody want to do a QA. Uh, so they needed first of all the immediate access from the QA team, and also the, when they upload. They basically, and this is part of the code running in the Linux container, is to compress the picture to a particular format and send only what the compressed uh, part to for archival. Uh, so yeah, that that's exactly the 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 model of the edge. Um, and um, yes, we, we we can we allow the customer to run their own containers, and uh, obviously because it is inside our system, it is a zero latency or very minimal latency uh, to the data. Wow. All right. So that strikes me as, a, as almost a completely new product line. I mean, you're, do, do you see this evolving as, you know, a, a, a category for storage? Yeah. So, so again, we, we did this in, at the beginning because we had customers that had data center on premise, but from our st perspective, we don't mind if, if the data if the customer have a data center or doesn't have a data center. So in 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 this category of what we call it on-premise as a service, we have more and more customers that they need the, the on-premise part is not because they have a data center there, but because because they need the low latency uh, to the cloud. And obviously, it need to be fully managed because the customer wants cloud-based, right? Uh, and and so we uh, this this was the first and this was two years ago and and since then we see more and more workloads like this and and obviously the fact that we have the centralized management we, today we have hundreds of locations uh, around the world we have uh, you know uh, data centers in Philippines in 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 Korea in Brazil in every, everywhere in the world actually we we just shipped. Uh, uh, edge device to Machu Picchu in Peru. Okay, it's a uh, we 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 have. Wait, a how, is it Machu Picchu on the top of the mountain? Yes, yes. You need to go with mules. You cannot go with. Uh, so, so there you have a device on the top of that. <laughs> yes, we have in, in Machu Picchu in Peru, and uh, so the, this is a mineral company uh, that uh, actually is a Canadian company, but they they have. Uh, uh, a data center in Lima in, in Peru and then in Machu Picchu and they order two systems uh, one for for where where the for actually the the mine is right so they need to ship to the where is the the mine and and none of your employees said hey I need to go there yeah. and support <laughs> this installation no, or did you do that yourself this is only for the CEO level <laughs> <laughs> yeah. sharing your ease of use story yeah. awesome that's excellent. That's so, I mean, but that strikes me as, as, you know, ultimately if you're starting to run containers, you know, co-incident with the storage, 
you know, do you then look at you know basically running a little Kubernetes cluster, or do you build your own container management? Is this is, so? Is this embedded currently Kubernetes? We have, so oh. we're working on embedding Kubernetes. Currently, it's our own container management. Uh, but uh, yes, uh, as the uh, in a very few few months, we will have a full Kubernetes uh, working in, in our cloud. And so the two things that we are turning this into edge is is that. First of all, we are shrinking the minimum size because we we have edge mm. uh, customers that are half petabyte, one petabyte, two petabyte, uh, and because our system is kind of a cloud, it, it requires multiple nodes and switches and things like that. So one of the things that we are releasing is a small edge device that is basically a a cloud in a two U form factor you know, everything connected uh, internally. So we can have these uh, cases that, let's say, under 100 terabytes or 50 terabytes even, we, we can ship uh, entire cloud that is pre-configured and, and so on. So, and, and you can run, it has a lot of CPU power and you can run uh, containers as well. So two things on the hardware side, we we are working um, to, to shrink this to uh, a very compact, uh, um, form factor and on on, on the uh, software side, uh, we are uh, also doing Kubernetes as a service. Wow, that's super interesting. So, does this? I mean, at some point, you're you're just a, you're, this is really just about software, right? Or are you looking to start decoupling the hardware component too, and just uh, be a, we, and we, just do it as software? We, our current business model is that we ship everything: the hardware and the software and the service. Everything is in, in one price. We don't uh, charge differently for hardware and software and or services. Uh, it's it's all one service basically. Okay, that makes sense. I, I mean, what what you're describing to me is, you know, really the emergence of a new class of of thing, where you know, from an edge perspective, it's a small unit. It hasn't. It can do a certain degree of processing. It's almost like a uh, an, an edge, you know, an edge storage capability. Yeah, I, I mean, exactly edge, edge has different meaning for different people. Uh, some have a, a very little device. For us, uh, uh, edge means uh, because our background on, on storage and data management is is a workload that need at least fifty terabytes local. It could be 100 terabytes, could be petabytes as well, but let's say minimum of 50 terabytes local need the significant uh, processing power and need to be very close and, and fully managed by us. And, and this is uh, one of the important things that we have on the technology side is that we build the technology to do this remote management, remote operations. Uh, we take care of everything and, and we, we, we can do everything we even if there is hardware failure we our 24 by 7 team can can see this immediately can take actions uh, obviously everything has a lot of uh, spare equipment on site and and everything continue to run and the customer don't need to don't need to have it local don't need to have uh, special people that know anything uh, to to run the, the system That makes a lot of sense. Uh, at the same time, I could see a transition where, you know, if you're talking about a storage intensive, you know, 
site that you're then going to you're then going to be able to bubble up and say all right but I can give you a certain degree of compute that compute balance is going to start shifting up more as people yes, uh, you know yes. people start and using that again that we, we can more. It, it is a cloud system and the cloud as as you know doesn't need to have exactly the same nodes and we we start with two nodes in the lower configuration but then we can add additional nodes that have may have more CPUs or more drives or more base according to what the customer need. And, and many times we uh, we replace nodes. So uh, uh, the customer started with something uh, that turned to be that they need uh, much more very quickly. And, and then we ship additional nodes and we rem remove the previous node. Remember, the, this is the the part of the as a service that the customer can really enjoy is that they don't need to care about the hardware. They they just need to tell us what they want at what time, and we will be able to ship and and bring back uh, the hardware as needed. We are not selling the hardware. It's it's our hardware that is in the in the in the edge uh, site, and if we see that uh, we need bigger. You know, we ship bigger and we remove the previous one. I was going to ask, Nelson, do you make the hardware then? Or is that commodity hardware you buy? Or? No, no it, it, is, it is commodity. Okay. Hardware. I was going to say, I thought you'd do the software part of it. Okay. Yeah, only software. Yeah. But we buy the hardware. We, we have arrangement with the manufacturer. We send the hardware uh, to the place. We are responsible for the, the you know, that, that is working. And, and we do the upgrades. We do everything. Okay. So along those lines, there's still a component of synchronizing data between sites. So, right, I mean, this is one of the things that we talk about in the edge is that, well, I've got, um, and the factory example is a great one. I have a huge amount of data coming off that, that, that line. I store some of it. I forward some of it. Uh, is that something that there's like, you know, a certain degree of shared, you know, multi-site you know, synchronization that, that is built into the software too? And, and is that a control component for you or, you know, a management component? Uh, we do uh, we do have a feature that is basically uh, snapshots that are migrated to the cloud. Uh, and the cloud can be our storage or can be Amazon S3 or Azure or, or Google Cloud. So, uh, the, for example, this particular customer upload the, all these pictures to Amazon S3, so we, we do have this uh, embedded in the this capability embedded in the in the code. Oh, interesting. So yeah, so I mean, this is really good I, and and sort of exciting. I think you know we love to talk about edge storage and edge is really hard, and we we see people sort of chipping away at it. Your story is is very complete from that perspective, and that you're you've got an edge infrastructure that includes a degree of computation. We, you've got uh, you know storage that allows you to synchronize into other sites. Uh, what people you know you're doing sort of what what a lot of people have been expecting edge sites to do, which is to funnel data back up into the cloud. Um, where, and and where I wanted to sorry no I wanted to add that the edge in my mind will include a lot of uh, data right because mm -hmm. this this is the purpose why you need an edge if if. Uh, if you can send every bit of information to the cloud, then you don't need an edge, you just send to the cloud. The reason why edge exists is because you cannot, because of the latency 
And because of the size of, of the data, you cannot send everything to the cloud. That means that uh, you need to have significant storage capability on the edge. So where's, where's this going? What, what do you see as the, as the next you know, frontier for edge storage from that perspective? Uh, again, I think, I think that the, uh, eventually it could be the case that the cloud will be decentralized, right? So at, at some point, uh, instead of having a cloud that have huge data centers, um, uh, you know, 10 or 20 data centers, you can have a cloud that is actually composed by thousands of small locations worldwide and these edge devices connected to the centralized cloud. The centralized cloud will continue to be because you need a, a central location where to run the analytics for all the the, the data that you get. But uh, I think it's what is needed and it doesn't exist today is a completely decentralized uh, cloud that will be composed by thousands of, of places, let's say. So, so Nelson, uh, we're at the, about the 30-minute mark, which is when I jump in and uh, and stop Rob. And he's usually halfway through his questions, but that's just what <laughs> happens. Probably. We're starting to get um, to the future. I know, but, you know, Nelson, I think we'll uh, have you back another yeah. time. Uh, if our listeners are interested to learn more about your solutions, um, where should they go? Uh, our website is www.zadara.com, Z-A-D-A-R-A.com. Or they are welcome to send me an email directly, nelson at zadara.com. Very easy. So that's great. Well, thank you again uh, for joining us. And uh, like, like I said before, it really was good fun to run into you again. It's been too many years, and I'm glad we were able to get you on. And congratulations on success. We have a lot of um, startups here that are, Rob, I would say less than a year maybe we tend to have. But to find a company that's uh, you've been around seven, eight years and doing well, that's really exciting. And uh, it's, it's, it's a, um, I'm trying the right word, but it's definitely your leadership that's caused that. I can see that for sure. So thank you again uh, for joining us and to our customers, our customers, to our listeners. Uh, if you enjoyed <laughs> you this podcast. customers if you want. We'll you can, yeah, you can send us money if you like. Rob and I are always happy. <laughs> Nelson, we haven't figured out the capitalist part where you get money for work. I th it's we're too much in the open source socialist idea where we just work and then everyone gets uh, smiley faces. Maybe that's what we need, Rob. It's the open source us. podcast. But yeah, yeah. It, you can't you can't make money off of it. All right. Well, thanks again to both of you, and we'll have in Nelson. You know, in the future, if something comes up and you'd like to talk to us and uh, you know, reach out to our listeners. Let us know. We're happy to have you Excellent. on again. It was it was a pleasure. Good good to talk to you, both Stefan and, and Rob.